the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The fire of your coming, the glory of your presence, will shake the earth and every heart will know. You are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel. Shalom and welcome to Heart of Messiah radio broadcast. My name is Steve Weiler and I'm the lead rabbi of Shoresh David Messianic Synagogues. Currently we're serving in Wesley Chapel, St. Pete, South Bay near Riverview and Tampa. We welcome all visitors as we desire to see those who are Jewish and not Jewish worshiping together in unity. We're honored to serve the listening audience of AM 570 WTBN and 910 WTWD, Tampa Bay's Faith Talk. Shabbat Shalom. It is wonderful to speak to you today. You hear me say Shabbat Shalom. Well, Right? Every day is the Sabbath, so to speak, with the Lord, isn't it? <laughs> today is a continuation of our series on Messiah, and today is part three of following the laws of Messiah. And so stay tuned. Uh, we certainly want to pray first. Avinu Malkenu, our Father, our King. Lord, we focus on you, Father. We focus on the things that you want us to do, and we pray, Lord, that we will be, we will obey. We will obey you, Lord, and because your instructions bring us life. And so we pray, Lord, that it, it will just be a teaching that will touch people's hearts, and they will really desire to follow you in a greater and greater way. So, Lord, pour out your Spirit upon us, the listeners, as well as me, who's delivering this message, and we're asking, Lord, for your peace and your joy, and that everything we do, everything we think, everything we say, would bring you glory. We bless you in the name of Yeshua. Amen. So, uh, as I mention each week, if this radio program ministers to you, we'd love for you to pledge either monthly or give a one-time gift. It's, things are a little difficult right now. So, call Karen at 813-831-5673 or go to our website, heartofmessiah.org. I certainly would appreciate it. helps us to stay on there. Um, something interesting this week I wanted to bring to your attention. Uh, if you want to have your neighbors and those who pass by your house know that you will be voting your biblical values, we will be getting three-yard signs 
which we're going to be uh, distributing and selling, I guess. Uh, one will say, I vote pro-life. Another will say, I vote pro-family. And the third will say, I vote pro-Israel. Uh, not sure of the prices yet, but should be under $7 each. If you want to purchase them and pick them up from our synagogue, or if you want pictures of them, would you call Karen at 813-831-5673? Well, so for this last segment of following the law of Messiah, you know, the past two weeks we looked mostly at the law in the Hebrew Scriptures, and we defined it, and we looked at its purpose. But today, we continue with following Yeshua's law. That would be, um, it, 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 it will seem a little bit, uh, maybe like becoming more like Messiah, a teaching we did a few weeks ago. But trust me, this, I, I'm praying that this will touch your heart. You know, Yeshua was asked, as you all know, to explain the most important law, and he did so in Matthew 22, saying, uh, love God and love your neighbor. Okay, so these are two laws that we need to be mindful of daily. And these two laws require us to be in unity with ourselves. Have you ever heard that expression? We need to be in unity with ourselves. <laughs> well, what I mean is our heart, our thoughts, our speech, and our actions all have to be in unity in order for us to love correctly. Does that make sense? Yeah. And when you think of speech, it's not only the words you choose, but the way you say those words. Same thing with actions. It's not only the actions you choose to do, but it's the way you accomplish those actions. What does your countenance look like? What does your body language look like? You know, Yeshua's law is all about love. He loved us first when we didn't deserve his love. Then he teaches us a similar concept, which I believe is one of the foundations of love, humility and sacrifice. And we see this in Philippians 2, certainly, uh, Yeshua being humble. But today I'd like to start with a scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 14, 15. And it says this, For the love of Messiah compels us. And I'll stop there for a second and just ask you, does the love of Messiah compel you? You say, compel me to what? Well, we'll continue in a second, but it sells the question is, does the love of Messiah compel you? Okay, here it goes. Since we have concluded that one died for all, as a result all died, and he died for all so that those who live, you and me, might no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. So the question is, does Messiah's love compel you to give up your own life and live for the Lord? Heavy question, right? Yeah, okay. So in order to be able to follow Messiah's law, I believe there are four overriding characteristics that we must adopt 
to be able to show the kind of love that never fails, Yeshua's love. So those four characteristics are faith, humility, holiness, and thankfulness. Now, uh, faith, obviously, is believing in Yeshua, but it's also obeying, and it also is involved, it continues um, even during problems and tragedies, and, and accepts the sovereignty of God. That's all about what faith does. Secondly, the humility I mentioned, um, under that I would put repenting, forgiving, respect, accountable, unifier, teachable, sacrificial. And as I mentioned before, when I think of Yeshua's humility, I think of Philippians 2, great chapter. In the third uh, foundational thing that we need to love is to be holy. Look, if you define holy, you, you, you can define it as it's the habit of being of one mind with God. Does that work for you? Okay. And so that means our morality, our modesty, and our speech must all be holy. Look, God says he is holy. He says that many times, and we must be holy. Okay. And the fourth characteristic is thankful. We have to have gratitude. We have to have joy. We have to rejoice. If we have a thankful spirit, we will then have a hopeful spirit. So those, I think, are four very important things. Let's see if we can get further insight into this area of love from the Lord's Prayer and look at one aspect of love. So, Matthew 6, 12 through 14, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now, some of you would like to have the line, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I get it. It's not in the earlier text. It doesn't, whether it's in there or not, that's not really our issue. Our issue is this. Forgiveness is a characteristic of Yeshua's love and Yeshua's law that gives you an example of how to love. And forgiveness and, and really love requires tremendous faith. It's a matter of obeying God. Uh, also, it requires humility, because when we have to forgive someone, we often feel like our rights were violated, and nobody forgave us. And we also are not comfortable forgiving if they've not repented, or seem like they're not authentic in, their, in saying they're sorry. Thirdly, it re forgiveness requires us to be holy, which is, again, to be in unity with the mind of God. And fourth, it requires us to be thankful, uh, thankful of God's grace, which gives us the ability to give grace to others. It also develops the right attitude in us as we might feel that our rights were trampled on. But the interesting thing is the middle verse. Okay, between 12 and 14, which are about forgiveness, there's verse 13, and it says, in my, in my paraphrase, 
that um, it's about not being tempted and being delivered from the evil one. See, I believe God is saying that when we don't forgive, we open up ourselves to the evil one, and we have a greater temptation to sin. Forgiveness is a characteristic of God's love. It is a tangible action of the often intangible word called love. <laughs> now, what would cause love not to be an answer, even though we're told that love never fails? And, and the only thing I can think of is that if we don't believe that Scripture is w true, and so then we wouldn't believe that love never fails. Or if we don't believe the, the scripture that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, if we don't think that is true, then obviously we will not understand or believe that love never fails. When we love unconditionally, we are bringing glory to God. Now, when we don't show love, often we use scripture to explain why we can't show love in a particular situation. Yeshua gives us an understanding in the parable as to why sometimes the Word of God is not as effective in our lives as we would like it to be. Did you hear what I just said? Does that sound wrong? <laughs> I said that sometimes God's Word is not effective in our lives. So are you going to challenge me, or are you going to listen to this scripture that I'm going to share with you? Huh? Mark 4, 18 to 20. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. This is that parable about the word. They have heard the word, but the worries of the world, the seduction of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And so... What does this mean? In order for God's word to really resonate in your heart, you have to push aside the worries of the world. You have to push aside the desire for wealth. You have to push aside even your other personal desires. And because if you don't, that potentially could make God's word unfruitful. That's what the scripture says. But if you can put those things aside, then you will hear the word, accept it, apply it, and it will produce fruit. So what's the fruit I want to produce? Well, it's the law of Messiah I want to keep. John 13, 34, I gave you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. So also you must love one another by this all will know that you're my disciples if you, love, if you have love for one another. For keeping the law of love, I'm going to need a lot of faith. I'm going to need real humility. I'm going to have to be holy, and I'm going to have to have a thankful spirit. I can tell you that. Now, if you know me at all, you know I love practical examples. I always want to have tools to do things. And so I recently took a workshop online with Brad Bright. Um, in fact, his book, I, I'll recommend it to you. Uh, it's called God is the Issue. 
just a tremendous book. And I, I, well, I'll explain in a second, but he's the son of Bill Bright, you know, who started Campus Crusade. Now, in this workshop, he gave us eight rules on how to change culture as a tool for us to focus on. However, I believe that you can use these same rules as a tool to learn how to love people better by improving your communication with them. Does that make sense? You know, recently I received some feedback that a number of the people at Shoresh David would like to be able to communicate more effectively in tough situations. In other words, when, when your hot button is hit, you still want to show love. You want to figure out how to deal with these kinds of issues that come up. So for that reason, as a tool to love better and to communicate better, I'm going to give you eight rules, and we'll talk about it briefly and, and see if this touches your heart. The first one is know your objective. Now, if your objective is to be right, uh, we're, we're going to have a problem here. And the objective is to make God the issue. Our objective is to be a light in a dark place. So I want to do a better job of showing love in difficult situations. That's my objective. Can you make that your objective? Is there something more important to you when you talk to people than uh, showing your love, making God the issue? Okay. Number two, know your audience. One of the things he said was that core theology of a 25-year-old is that God wants them to be happy. Now, let me say that I don't think that would be my core theology. I mean, everybody enjoys being happy, but as to whether God wants me to be happy is my core theology, I don't think so. But what if I said that? to somebody who felt that way. And, and so I would not relate to them. We need to know what other people value, whether it's a 25-year-old or a 90-year-old. Or, you know, in, we need to know what the person we're talking to values. So, I, you know, I'm praying that God will teach me to know who I'm talking to, what they value, and find a way to connect with them based on their beliefs. I don't have to believe what they believe. I don't have to. I, I can be even against what they believe. However, I have to go back to number one, what is my objective? Number three, know your enemy. Well, my enemy is Hasatan because he wants to cause division. He wants me and my family to sin against the Lord. He wants me to be angry and, and make me a poor communicator of the truth. And boy, does he up my emotions so that it's sometimes when my emotions are high, it's hard for me to even think. Okay. Number four. Stay on message, and remember what the message is, right? God's the issue. We are to be a light. It's the most important rule. In fact, when you stay on message, you might have to reframe a narrative. So what does that mean to reframe it? It's by changing the underlying question. So you can see this in Matthew 22, Yeshua 
in verse 17, is asked, is it permitted to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He said to them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they said to him. Then he said, give therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. And hearing this, they were amazed, so they left him and went away. So we don't need to win the argument. We need to stay on message. So an example of reframing, someone says to you they don't see the problem with abortion. Now, there are all sorts of things you'd like to tell this person, right? But what, you, what if you said to him, there is nothing wrong with abortion as long as God does not exist. Now we're going to be talking about God, right? Or someone says to you that they believe black lives matters. There's all sorts of things that you might want to say to that person, but if you said to him, I agree, black lives matter because God exists, and he says all lives matter. And so you start talking about God. The question is, do you want to win the argument? Do you want to show love? Do you still want to make a meaningful point? You've got to reframe the narrative. Now you can change the topic to what God says in his word. If you want to see a great example of this, the Orlando Magic basketball player, Jonathan Isaac, was recently interviewed after he stood for the national anthem. Check it out on YouTube. His name is Jonathan Isaac. And if for some reason you can't find it, ask Karen in our office. We'll send you the link. Okay, number five. Number five advance incrementally. What that means is if you will if you're only going to settle for an immediate complete change, you're going to lose. God gives us our whole life to get it right before him. Consider small steps a win if it's in the right direction and believe for other small steps in the coming days, weeks, months or years. Number six, this is the one I had the hardest time with. Controversy is my friend. And basically what he's saying is opposition is critical to our long-term success because it will lead to a dialogue. I hope that's true. I'm not, not totally sure. Number seven, be a leader, not a loner. Work with others. One of the things he said, which I found so very interesting, is that Yeshua always sent out people two by two, except for one. You know who that is? Judas. Hmm, think about that one for a while. So if you have a positive message of God's love and forgiveness, others will buy into it and they'll join you and they'll help you in the communication. So try not to go things alone. And the last one is never give up. You can't give up on God's love, right? And you're a better person when you love. So just because you're frustrated or whatever the situation is, you've got to continue to love. You know what? We are out of time. Uh, it's been great. Uh, I, I pray this is touching you. If... if um, if you want to know God's love, just 
just call Karen and, and she'll talk to you about God's love. <laughs> and I pray this program ministered to you. Um, and uh, just a reminder, if you want to have your neighbors uh, see that you are voting for biblical values and start a discussion that way, we'll be getting three signs in. One says, I vote pro-life. Another says, I vote pro-family. The third says, I vote pro-Israel. If you're interested in purchasing those signs, call Karen at 813-831-5673. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you and praise you and worship you for this day, for your love, which allows us to love unconditionally. And I pray, Lord, for everybody that the Lord... You, Lord, would be each person's first priority and that they would grow in their desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah. I pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. You are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel.